Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Let's just quickly have a chat about my new book, which is coming. It's out June the 27th, and I would just adore you all if you could click pre-order now, because I promise you this book is even better than my others. The science of plant-based nutrition is for everyone. It's for people that eat meat and for people that don't. And it's going to help educate you all about the benefits of a plant-based diet. We cover things such as obviously the gut microbiome, the immune system. Should you be worried about plant milk, seed oils, anti-nutrients? Do you need to take omega-3 supplements? There are so many questions. And I basically think that the world of scientific research is just changing at a dizzying pace and myths and fads are proliferating everywhere. So with the science of plant-based nutrition, you can achieve a plant-packed diet that's right for you. This book is for children all the way up to adults. I hope that it will be in universities again, like the previous one and schools and libraries. And I've got the most amazing forwards and good praise for it from deliciously Ella, Joe Wicks, Fern Cotton and Tim Spector. So if you could head over to Amazon now, hit pre-order on the science of plant-based nutrition, I promise you won't regret it. Welcome back to season 17 of Food for Thought. It's incredible to be here. My name is Rhiannon Lambert. For everyone that doesn't know, the reason this podcast is so unique is that I myself am a registered nutritionist. So I have two nutritional science degrees, a master practitioner, further diplomas in different areas of nutrition. The Retrition Clinic I founded in 2016. We have some amazing psychologists, dietitians, nutritionists in there to help you with your one-to-one advice. Not forgetting also if you need any additional support to your diet, we have Retrition Plus, which is formulated for you with the latest scientific research out there. Now, we're here to bring you a fantastic series ahead full of tons of amazing guests. If you need any extra information, you can find Retrition across all social media platforms, even from TikTok to Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn. And of course, you can head over to Amazon and leading bookshops and find any Rhiannon Lambert authored book out there from the science of nutrition to recipe books about pregnancy and of course my first baby back in 2017 renourish so let's get on to it enjoy season 17 of food for thought there's a lot of talk about food and mood and i think we've all felt the effects of food and how it can influence our feelings every day we've all been there literally I mean, I know I have. I mean, either snapping at your partner and loved ones as hunger kicks in. For me also, I think when I'd had my kids, it was that huge gap and delay between being able to actually reach food in the first place. But major mental health problems like depression and anxiety could be influenced by the food that we eat. And that is why I'm so excited today to talk to Dr. Uma Naidu. Uma is a Harvard-trained psychiatrist, professional chef, and a trained nutrition specialist. And not forgetting best-selling author, she's recently launched the Food for Mood campaign, and she engages multiple stakeholders, including government supermarkets and medical professionals, and promotes strategic strategies to introduce nutritional psychiatry at scale. So she's pretty much the perfect guest to have the conversation we're having today. So we dive into the science. We discuss the relationships that are there grounded in evidence between food and our mental health and what we can basically all eat and do to improve this every day. So without a doubt, here's today's episode. Hello, Dr. Uma. Hey, Rhiannon. It's so lovely to meet you and talk with you. Oh, no. Well, you too. Your CV is expansive and it covers um, what we call in the musical theatre world. So I'm actually an ex-soprano before I got into nutritional science myself. You're you're a triple threat. (laughs) 
I love that you're a soprano. Yeah, it, it's a different, um, it's a complete different world to what I do now. But you are a triple threat, which to me means you cover three different complete areas. You're a chef, you've got the background in nutrition, of course, um, the, the psychological, the psychological element. Um, how on earth did you manage to do all three? I, um, you know, hindsight is, is 2020, as they say, meaning that there wasn't a set plan. Um, I really followed things that I loved to do. Clearly, I love to eat and I love food, uh, love people and wanted to help through mental well-being and mental health. And I learned to cook later in life. And when I realized that it was not only a passion, but also a very calm space for me to be almost, you know, in my own element, I really wanted to learn more. So these three areas were areas of study that I pursued. And in no particular order, by the way. And I was very fortunate when they came together to become the blueprint of my work in nutritional psychiatry today. Um, it's, it's great to be able to share or interpret a recipe with the nutrition to someone that you're coaching around healthy eating. And I'm sure you'll find that too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I love that you said cooking is therapeutic to you because I have to say, I didn't realize how much I missed cooking. I've got a one-year-old and a three-year-old, and it's been very difficult in the last few years to um, balance, you know, the work-life balance scenario. And one thing I missed, I miss cooking as much as I did before. A lot of it is batch cook as quick as I can, put it in the freezer, get it out in portions as much as I could. But um. I'd love to start with asking you, really, because I've, I've got a copy of your incredible book, and I think it would be fascinating to our listeners to start with explaining the ways in which food contributes to our mental health and our mood. You know, that's a great question, because for a long time, and it's only that as nutritional psychiatry has emerged more recently, it's a nascent field, but it is backed by evidence-based research and studies, but it is also growing and evolving. But until we understood this very important one mechanism, which is the gut-brain connection, most often people were just thinking about mental health in a very separate way and as an, an above-the-neck concept. And food is something that people are thinking about in terms of their weight, the number on the scale or their waistline. They weren't thinking about it in terms of impacting how they were feeling emotionally. And what nutritional psychiatry does is really merge these areas and helps people to understand that the food we eat impacts how we feel. So often I'll say to people, what happens when you have a headache? And first I'll say, I know it sounds like a silly question, but where is the pain? And they will say, well, you know, front of my head, here, there. And they'll say, well, what do you do? And, okay, well, you know, I get a glass of water and I take a headache tablet and uh, then I hope in 10 to 15 minutes the headache goes away. And then I say, well, you're swallowing something, but the pain is up here. How, how exactly does that work? And they'll be like, oh, you're right. So then I start to explain the background of the gut-brain connection. And in a similar way, the food that we eat as it gets digested and uh, is in association and, and in contact with the trillions of microbes that live in the gut microbiome, that as that digestive process happens, the breakdown products of food interact with that. They interact with the 90 to 95% of serotonin receptors in the gut. Um, and slowly, we start to unfold this picture that the food we eat can also have a pathway to affect our brain and our mental health. And then slowly we start to explain the concepts of inflammation and the gut, et cetera, so that people understand. It's it's a brilliant, fascinating um, area. And I love that analogy of letting people think about the pill that they're swallowing, because at the end of the day, I think you're right, a lot of us have no connection to our body. Um, in terms of, you know, we're either perhaps looking at screens and technology when we're eating, we're very disconnected. Yeah, we're very, very disconnected as a race um, from everything we do. I think it's such a huge reminder that how powerful it is. Do you want to touch a little bit more on how the mechanism works in terms of, um, you mentioned serotonin receptors. So let's start with, that's our, you know, our happy hormone is how we, we refer to it. Do you want to give a little bit of background on the food that we need to consume in order to help that flourish, perhaps? 
Yes, that's a great that's a great way to start as well. Um, we just need to understand that the gut and brain originate from the exact same cells in the human embryo before they form the two organs, the brain and the gut. Um, and then they remain connected by the 10th cranial nerve, which is the vagus nerve, which I like to describe as a two-way text messaging system, always in communication. And the communication is around neurotransmitters. And as I mentioned, because these little serotonin receptors um, and serotonin is produced in the gut, it's also produced elsewhere, but there is a very big hub in the gut. As the food is getting digested, um, and we the foods we want to be consuming, uh, think, think first of fiber. Um, fiber actually helps to calm the mind because fiber is satiating, it is nurturing those gut microbes, and fiber is something that we need and often overlook in our diet. Um, so fiber from vegetables, fruit, healthy whole grains, beans, nuts, seeds, legumes, lentils, these are a great food to be eating because they even out our blood sugar. You don't get the, the kind of swings of your blood sugar levels like you would if you had a sugary donut or a piece of cake uh, or chocolate. Um, and by that, I mean a candy bar style of chocolate. I'm not talking extra dark chocolate, which we love. Um, so we want to lean into those foods because those foods contain fiber and many, a kaleidoscope of plant polyphenols, which interact with the gut microbes. The gut microbes then interact, for example, let's take, an, let's take tryptophan. Tryptophan is found in something like turkey or chickpeas. And yet tryptophan really cannot reach the blood, cross the blood-brain barrier. So it needs to interact with those microbes, find a way to get across the blood-brain barrier, and then be converted into serotonin, which we need. So it's all these little tips and tricks that help us fill in the gaps of what happens after we chew and swallow our food. There's a longer story to it that is related to our gut health and our brain health. I adore that answer. Oh, fantastic. The way that the cells divide in the embryo and how they were one before, it makes perfect sense, the, the connection that we have. And this is why I find it immensely frustrating. I'm sure you do as well as a health professional to see one food being haloed as a miracle to an answer when the body yes. works in such a complex way. <laughs> it must be immensely correct, yeah, frustrating for you. <laughs> I think we're on the same page about that because, you know, I live in the United States and, and we're an eat this, not that culture. It, it meaning, you know, there's a different superfood every day. Then goes the marketing, the food, whether it's the food companies or whatever it is. So I think it's very confusing to people. So I always like to go back to basic principles. That's why I say, you know, fiber. This is something we need. We need protein too, of course, and complex carbs and healthy fats, but Fiber is great for your gut, so it's a good way to tie that into our gut health. Oh, music to my ears. I'm actually, um, at the time this episode's coming out, I do believe I, I can share it. I, my next book is on plant-based nutrition because the importance, I think, of... Fantastic. Thank you. No, we'll definitely get this copy sent over to you, but it, it's just it's so underrated, isn't it? I think fiber is such a common area that if we could only get people to consume more of, but equally, there's a lot of fear mongering and scaremongering around carbohydrate based foods that contain fiber. Obviously, we know it's vegetables, fruit, you know, but ultimately, that's what we're referring to. Right? Yeah. Right. And yet people assume there's a very big low-carb movement in, in the U.S. And it's not that I, I, I think there's a place for that. I talk about in my book, Calm Your Mind and with food. Um, but just to say that, you know, exactly that it was, you know, how do we emphasize the importance of these foods? I talk about the clean keto diet. And um, so I think there's a time and place, even in mental health, for a short-term low-carb plan. But I, but when I'm talking about carbohydrates, I mean those cauliflowers and vegetables and, and complex carb or quinoa. I'm not I don't mean, you know, sliced supermarket bread and pasta, which we all love, but, you know, not maybe not as often. Absolutely. Um, there, there is such a difference when we're discussing the types of food. It's all about the quality of the diet. And I think for so many years um, in the world of nutrition and health, there's been such a huge number based focus on calories rather than looking at the actual type of food that we are consuming. Um 
how can diets, this is an area I know you touch on, and I think it's so helpful for our listeners, how can it help with a wide range then of psychological and cognitive issues? I mean, we're talking about ADHD, which is much more present in the media now, a lot more people are discussing it, speaking about it, being diagnosed later in life, anxiety, depression, OCD, that there's a wide spectrum there of, of cases, but do you work on diets for each of those? Yes. So my uh, first book was called The Food Mood Connection in the U- UK and called This Is Your Brain on Food in the US, exact same book. And in that book, what I did is I outlined the major mental health conditions, ADHD being, being one of them. Um, and in each condition, I walk people through the science of the gut microbiome, go deeper than what you and I shared. And then say for something like anxiety or depression or ADHD, foods and the science-backed evidence behind why you should eat certain foods and why you should limit or cut back on others because these certain foods drive ADHD um, or drive you know other conditions or worsen depression. And what are the things you can really embrace and step into? So yes, my, my clinical work spans all mental health conditions. And um, I find that working with ADHD can be very, very um, valuable and meaningful because small tweaks in the diet, like research has shown, for example, that in ADHD, having breakfast is really helpful in maintaining focus and attention. But the medications that are being prescribed tend to kind of suppress appetite. So often a child taking an ADHD medications or teen, adolescent or adult will feel, won't feel hungry. But encouraging a healthy breakfast just as part of that plan, maybe take it along with the medication, is one way to sustain attention throughout the day. So I think uh, I think it's really important, these little nuances in each mental health condition. Um, if, for example, in a condition like PD, PTSD, it was found uh, that certain natural sources of glutamates in food can actually worsen symptoms. And so I wouldn't ordinarily say to someone, you don't eat miso, but I might say cut back on miso, which is a fantastic fermented soybean paste and a fermented food, great for your gut. But I might be a little cautious in someone who has uh, these symptoms because it could create an uptick just because it it contains some glutamates. So it's, you know, it's it's just uh, so important with that type of thing. Gosh, um, that's fascinating about the the glutamate. That's, this is just it. And this is what I think the understanding or the wider understanding that there is a lot of nuance with each condition. It's important the condition is understood and if you're making dietary changes only speak to someone who's qualified in that particular area to do so so for anyone listening you know it's rare you find a triple threat like Dr Uma but um, (laughs) there are there are clinicians out there that do spend their life perhaps registered dietitians that do work within certain areas and work with a healthcare team so often you'll find they work alongside your doctor or alongside your GP and before you go and make changes, like you said, miso is a healthy food that we're trying to encourage on plant-based diets, but for some conditions, it might make it worse. I think that's completely fascinating. And it's also the quality of the food that I wanted to ask you about. Processed foods are in the headlines, Uma, everywhere. They they are. If I may just acknowledge what you said uh, and, and emphasize and reiterate it, because, uh, you know, I think that especially uh, in mental health, I think there's so many voices that can be very confusing to the public. Um, and as I say, and it, it sounds, it, it sounds, you know, uh, very sad to say this, but unless you've worked directly with people who are actively suicidal and in the depths of a severe illness, you know, you're not, you may not be qualified. It doesn't mean that you don't care and you can't advocate for mental health. But I think there's a, there's a real different difference. And I think there's so many good people trying to do good in the world that we do have to separate out where to get the help you need uh, from the opinions that people may be sharing, uh, even with good intentions. Uh, but thank you for acknowledging that. Um, so processed foods are everywhere. 
and it is hard to avoid them. Uh, I, I think I live in the land of processed foods, um, but we all try. We all trying to make a difference. But the processed, ultra-processed foods, as as you know, contain stabilizers, uh, food dyes, colorants, uh, preservatives, and you know, I always say to people, have you ever bought um, a loaf of bread and gone on vacation and come back and it's looking perfectly fine on the counter. Um, and that is because it's pumped up with a lot of preservative to make it last long. So the, there was a very interesting study done in mice. This was published in uh, 2022, and it looked at one ingredient that's used as a thickener in processed foods called carboxymethylcellulose, and it found that it led to a lower production of important and necessary short-chain fatty acids in the gut of the animal study. So by consuming this, the animals were less able to produce what we really need to be helping our gut fending off inflammation. And, you know, I think that it's important for us to acknowledge that these are the foods, uh, the foods, the processed foods contain these types of things that are more harmful to our gut um, and causing inflammation. And while it's hard to stay away from, you know, processed foods, maybe being more aware, mindful, reading the label, trying to get a, you know, like you said, the source, trying to find a healthier version of of that or trying to make a version at home that you might be able to, at least you know the ingredients that are going in and you're not adding preservatives, of course. Thank you. No, and I'm really glad you interjected before, but what Omar said before about being wary of um, well-doers online is true because more harm often can be done than good sometimes, especially with anecdotal stories of, oh, this worked for me. You know, I suffer with my mental health, so I did this and now I feel amazing that won't necessarily apply to you. And this is the danger I know that we see in the nutrition clinic with my eating disorder dietitians. We we see a lot of damage done for people online, of course, when they come into the clinic and they work with our psychologists and our dietitians. And it, it, it's it's really concerning. And I don't want to scaremonger because I, I guess we should explain, of course, some processed foods are not all bad. You know, if you, a can of chickpeas is, is technically processed, we're talking about ultra processed foods and trying to make a few switches. I mean, could you give some good examples, Uma, of classic go-tos every week that you would recommend that is processed that's good for them? Right. So, I mean, I think um, I think legumes and beans are definitely a, a very good one um, because in the center aisles of the supermarket are some really good fiber-filled, protein-rich choices for you. They include beans, legumes, lentils, either dried. Uh, even one could say the dried legumes are processed to be there. They're, you're not plucking it off a tree. Um, but they've been, you know, they're close to their original form. Same thing with a can of chickpeas. So you just rinse them out and you can use them. Uh, what about, you know, things like canned salmon and canned oysters, canned mussels? These are great choices, cost-effective, budget-friendly if um, sources of omega-3 fatty acids, which you can, you can eat. So those, for me, are some of my favorite center aisle options because they um, – you know, they are uh, healthy for you. Another one, if you do consume dairy, is kefir, which is a uh, fer fermented form of milk and yogurt that has um, has all these live active cultures, which is great for your gut. And I like the plain version rather than the ones with berries and flavors, because those just add in those added sugars, which we don't need. Now, you can have the same plain kefir with added blueberries, if you'd like. Um, so, it, it, and, and another example um, we're known as frozen vegetables. In the United States, our vegetables are frozen at their peak. So they're actually a really good choice, unless, of course, they have added so, um, sodium or syrup or sugar. They're actually a pretty healthy choice and, again, a budget-friendly option. Um, but they, again, you're not plucking the cauliflower from the tree or the plant. You know, it's it's a frozen cauliflower florette. But, again, a great option that you can very easily add to your to your food. Oh, no, wonderful. Wonderful suggestions. It's the same in the UK. Frozen fruit, particularly berries, are something that I try and encourage. I, I think um, it, it's expensive at the moment. There is a cost of living crisis. And I think a lot of people are thinking, oh, hang on a minute. 
isn't processed food cheaper but actually it is the miscommunication of the definition of the word isn't it like you just said um in terms of the negative associations and the headlines in the papers you know all processed food is gonna kill you is one of the headlines i've seen which is awful right and 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 you're absolutely right to make that distinction with between processed and ultra processed right because it is it is clear and and we know that for example ultra processed foods are engineered research and development is is um very intent upon making them almost hijack our cravings so you know we eat a little bit and then we want a lot more of it so the it's important to make these distinguish these distinguishing factors so that we understand the better foods for us thank you no absolutely and if someone listening is saying right i'm going to overhaul my diet i'm going to make such a difference now i want to see an improvement in my mental health um can you put a time frame on such an improvement as to when people will see results i know we had the smiles trials which was fascinating but is there a set time frame so yes the small small uh, smiles trial had some good data it was it was small it was 67 participants um but i do think that uh this is what i can say from the integration of my research and clinical work is that i have individuals start a nutritional psychiatry treatment plan in my clinic and contact me after a week and tell me their sleep is improved and they've noticed a difference or their energy has improved or they've had a lifting of brain fog or they're feeling less anxious and that's my favorite because anxiety is so rife but I want people to understand this is the marathon and not a sprint. Everyone has a unique gut microbiome, almost like a thumbprint. So your response may take longer or shorter than the next person. On average, people really start to see an improvement between one to three weeks. But two weeks is sort of where you really start to say, oh, you know, I'm doing this consistently. I'm noticing these changes very consistently. My symptoms are starting to uplift. Um, and in other individuals, it could take longer if they're not consistent or they're struggling a little bit to keep keep up with that. And I think I, I also want to highlight something you said earlier um, about eating disorders and and in your clinic, because I want to I want people to understand that by absorbing healthier eating habits, we are not necessarily encouraging disordered eating, because uh, as as you well know, eating disorders can be lethal in mental health. So we want to be really careful to encourage healthy choices. And and what I mean by that is I think about a nutritional psychiatry plate as how many things can I add in and feel satiated, you know, rather than what do I need to remove? I, I want people to cut back on those ultra processed foods and extra sugars and chocolates and cake and cookies and all the stuff that, that you know, I enjoyed. But I also want them to think how how full can my plate be that can be satisfying? and colorful and full of fiber and have spices for deliciousness so yeah oh no absolutely more what what can you get in not what you can take out is a fantastic philosophy and I think it encourages people that are um finding it challenging because I think sometimes the message conveyed is very all or nothing and that's actually when we want to avoid that mindset because that's when we start to see a lot of negative behavior patterns Hi everyone, just a quick chat about my vitamin D supplement spray at Retrition Plus. So it's your daily dose of vitamin D. Please make sure that you're getting the amount that you need this time of year from September all the way through to around April. And for some people all year round, we need to be taking our vitamin D and it's an easy to use formula spray. I designed it to make sure that it's a vegan vitamin D3. It's made from British algae. That's so important to me. It's sustainable to support normal bones, muscles and teeth. Now, our spray has has been expertly formatted to combat the winter blues of course which we all get around that time of year and promote overall wellness so with our handy spray you'll get your daily dose for that extra ray of sunshine if you guys want to find out more about Retrition Plus, head over to retritionplus.com and you can browse all of the products that we've created and find one that's right for you my commitment and the team's commitment to health goes way beyond just providing quality supplements i believe in transparency 
sustainability and a responsible approach to well-being. So Retrition Plus is essentially like your partner, I suppose, in achieving a healthier and more balanced you. We are rooted in science. We are focused on you. Be sure if you want to sign up, of course, to our newsletter via the website and make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Retrition Plus so you are up to date with the latest products and science-based information. What are the biggest barriers that you would say to somebody that has poor mental health to change? Because change is difficult and especially dietary habitual change is hard. I completely agree with that. And I'm a big proponent of the fact that we tend to know what healthy eating is, but it's very hard to implement. Um, So one, I think there are two things. One is the knowledge gap. Um, I'm involved in a really exciting project in the UK um, that we're moving into a digital product right now called the Food for Mood campaign with the uh, UK College of Medicine, where um, His Royal Highness uh, is, is the patron, now the king. And, you know, part of what we're trying to do is help the consumer fill that gap of knowledge. So, yeah, people know broccoli is healthy. But why is it healthy? How is it going to help your brain? How is it going to help your health? And have it have the opportunity at the point of contact of whether it's the frozen or the fresh that you know why it's healthy. Because we feel just providing that information may be an added incentive just for your health, that, that you know something and why it should be eaten. Because, you know, to your point about how media is shared or what is out on social social media or the internet, facts get very confusing. So that's one piece of it. The other piece of it is, you know, making sure that you're choosing things that you enjoy and maybe building up in a way in, in, in your diet. Because one of the things that I um, have difficulty with um, is individuals who have orthorexia. And while it's not yet considered a full-blown diagnosis in uh, by the National Eating Disorders Association. People struggle around having a healthy habit but being so fixated on it. So that can be problematic as well. So it's, you know, designing your plate around foods that you like, um, bringing in the healthy options, tweaking that, um, and, and sticking with it. And some of the things that can help you with that is preparation, meal prep, having a family member maybe support you. Say you are struggling so much with anxiety that you can't go food shopping. Maybe having a friend or family member help you pick up. And that's why I have a grocery list in the book. And then a protocol you can follow, maybe pick up the foods you should be trying. And then, you know, have a friend or or perhaps prepare some things ahead, just so that you can help yourself along. I don't want people to feel alone or overwhelmed with this, because I think it's, we know, and The Lancet actually published an article showing us that through COVID, um, anxiety has increased by 25%, 25%. And so the fact that I was seeing it everywhere during COVID and my clinic and as as well as everywhere else means we know it's an issue. So how do we not feel overwhelmed with this information, but make it actionable? Some of that is getting that shopping list, getting support from a friend, a family member, um, you know, a health coach, some someone who can really support you through this process. It's mm, a big figure there, isn't it, of increase? And it's worrying. It's it, it is worrying. Um, it didn't. I just think it's impacted everybody. The pandemic, everybody on some level or some degree. It has. Um, it, it's a minefield. And you mentioned orthorexia. Of course, that's is that Stephen Bratman. I can't remember the name of the doctor that um, coined the term orthorexia, but it's definitely something that I don't understand why it's not in the DSM. I, it to me makes no sense. It, it really should be because, it, as you've seen as well, clinically, it's it's very distinctive, and I'm 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 sure it will evolve to be there. But I think awareness, people having an awareness of the term and understanding what it means, um, is helpful, especially in the field that that you and I are in. Yeah, yeah. The um the drive to I mean, there was a movement a long time ago. Well, not a long time ago actually. Social media is very new. 
and um, and the schemes of how that impacts our mental health. Gosh, I could go off on asking you questions about that as well because that is a whole other ball game. But there's almost too much misinformation out there that it's very hard to decipher what to follow. And I think a lot of people are either driven to follow a very clean, which can delve into or can develop into orthorexia, you know, very all or nothing mindset where we'll only eat pure foods. I mean, sadly, we've seen the death of an influencer following that type of diet recently in the headlines. And then it can also go the other way with the diet re rejection mentality. And you kind of want to find a medium ground where you can see information and take what you need from it. But people don't have the tools to do that. You know, it's not something that they're taught at school. So how would you, what would be the advice that you would give to people navigating online advice when it comes to mental health and diet? What are the big red flags, I suppose? I want to start off with a funny story to illustrate this because I always think we need a bit of a chuckle to lighten our moods and ease our anxiety. And I was asked by a really great media outlet, um, and, and this is one of the reasons I'm active in the media if I'm asked, um, Rhiannon, because uh, I feel like in, in individuals like yourself or myself should be commenting. We have the, the training and we can advise people. And, and, I, and I also feel we are not... Uh, black and white in our opinions we we can we can we can highlight the gray zone that that most people live in which is i'm going to eat some healthy carbs i'm going to eat a balanced diet and not give up an entire food group so it's asked to comment on on a healthy habit uh drinking water and encouraging water which hydration and being adequately hydrated fends off anxiety and people can actually have high anxiety and may not realize that they actually need to be hydrated and be drinking enough water um so i gladly took took this up but it was about a tiktok challenge where um, influencers were drinking 40 ounces so very large very large container of water for the whole day good good healthy habits so you may have it in a large container and then sip throughout the day but they were adding Skittles powder to the water. Skittles the is one of the most colorful candies. But but the individual was adding, pack, apparently there's this powder you can buy and adding a bunch of that to the water. And it was just amazing how this, this water craze was taking off on TikTok. But the additives were not berries or citrus. They were these, you know, little packets of different sweets that were concentrated into a powder. So this is an example of you're trying to share something healthy, but it's misguided because you're loading up multiple grams or teaspoons of sugar in there. So, you know, I think that some guidance that I offer to people is, you know, have a well-vetted source for your information. What is the qual what are the qualifications of the individual that you're getting the information from? Um, when I write any article for media, I hyperlink, which means that I add the link to the research or the reporter can list the link to the research beneath the article so that you can actually go and look it up yourself or you can ask your doctor about it. You can you can see where the research is at and you can decide if you agree with it or not. Um, there are a lot of very famous or influential people who have opinions, but ask yourself, they may be very well-intentioned, but are they actually qualified to talk to you about mental health, about your nutrition? Mm. The fact that they did a particular cleanse or diet or detox, is it really what your body needs? Is it what you should be doing? Um, there are also different patterns of eating. There's intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, um, the keto diet, the paleo diet, the uh, plant-based diet. The They're all different. Uh, there are many, right? There are many. But whatever it is that your dietary pattern is, my ask for you or my request of you is have the healthiest version of that. Um, whatever diet pattern you choose to follow. I'm not going to insist you be one way or another, but I'm going to say, can we cut back on ultra-processed foods? Can we look at the source of where you're getting your foods, the ingredients that you're using? Where can you bump up the spices, your antioxidants, your anti-inflammatory ingredients, and things like that? So I think making sure that you know who is providing the information is critical. And, um, you know, 
that's that's a really important guidance. There are a lot of very reliable, qualified uh, providers online uh, with clinics, you know, like like your clinic or have websites where they provide information. And always just check, you know, who they are so that you you know a little bit about them when you're getting your advice. Oh, that's wonderful. No, thank you. I, I think it's really helpful for people because I, I also think a good sign is someone that holds their hands up and says, look, I'm not, I don't specialize in this field. You should try looking at this person and often referrals and working with others. You know, that's why I get to interview amazing scientists and guests like yourself, Uma, because I know that you have so much to offer and people should have access to the information that you provide with your expertise and services. It's blows my mind that you see these TikTok water fasting crazes it, it's ironic you said that because this morning I had um one of my friends and clients message me saying oh I've just seen the owner of this wrestling bodybuilder championship person saying I've done an 82 hour water fast I feel amazing and under the caption it said because I fasted it can cure cancer it can do this and all these awful claims and I just felt like banging my head on a brick wall I was like but it had thousands and thousands of likes, Uma, and thousands of comments of people saying this is amazing. You know, there's there's this term. I, I'm so with you on this. There's this term, um, and thank you for saying what you did. I do I do think I also want to acknowledge. I don't know everything. I'm frequently wrong, I'm sure, but I try my best. I try to be current with the research. People can always disagree with me, but you know, ultimately, it catches up with people. And this is what I am concerned that people don't get misguided by information because believe it or not can also happen from people with authority, but you still have to then tease out the information. Um, Are they very one-sided and only giving you one message? Never eat a leafy green, never eat this, only eat that, or, you know, are they more offering you a complete diet and making choices? No, and that's why, again, it's important to see the right person. We do have, Dr. Uma, some incredible questions that we've picked out from um, the Retrition listeners on Food for Thought. And I thought they were quite interesting for you because we've touched on gut health a little bit here, but there's been a lot of stuff in the media surrounding um, intermittent fasting. And Maddie's question I thought was quite interesting. She said, I've been looking into intermittent fasting, but I'm scared of how it might affect my mood. And I think she sounds like, to me, Maddie just came across as someone that really wants to try something that's being haloed as this amazing diet. I think that intermittent fasting um, can work for some people. Uh, We don't have enough studies on mental health and intermittent fasting. I think we know physiologically it can be very beneficial for autophagy and other healing that the body goes through, but it is not for everyone. Um, Here are some examples. Anecdotally from my patients, I've heard that it can help their brain fog and help their energy. But those are specific individuals that I'm counseling and working with closely. They have decided to try it. They are speaking to their GP and have a coach involved as well. So they're offering, they're following a certain guided path. Also, some individuals, some of my patients need to wake up in the morning and take medications. Intermittent fasting may not be for them because these medications could impact their blood pressure and other things. So it may be important for them to eat breakfast on that day. So it's not for everyone. Um, Speak to your GP. You know, speak to trained professionals like Rhiannon and and her team about whether it's a good option for you. The science behind it is very good. But again, we are moving now in a direction towards personalized medicine. And certainly I'm practicing that in nutritional psychiatry too. Amazing. No, that's a very in-depth and sensible answer. Thank you. And we've got time for one other question, I think, so we must move on to our fact or fiction round. And this one really struck a chord with me. Um, Holly said, my dad, he has Alzheimer's disease, and I'm really worried that I'm also going to get it when I'm older. Is there anything I can do to prevent it? Yeah. You know, sadly, we don't yet have a cure for Alzheimer's, but we're working hard on it every day. What I can say is something that many people overlook. Cleaning, cleaning up your diet, improving your diet, eating anti all the foods we've talked about, eating anti-inflammatory options, leaning into antioxidants, um, whatever your diet is, making sure that it's optimized. That doesn't mean it's perfect. 
I talk about the 80-20 rule, 80% of the time, do your best, 20% of the time, you know, may not be perfect. And, and that's okay. But any time that you're working to fend off inflammation and neuroinflammation, you are helping your brain. Um, so adding in those antioxidant rich spices, um, adding in those colorful uh, kaleidoscope of vegetables, adding in the fiber fold foods, um, adding in the omegas. And if it's plant-based, you get those from flax seeds and hemp seeds, the healthy fats from avocado or olive oil. All of these are hugely helpful and making as many tweaks as you can to healthify your diet. Absolutely. It's yeah, all about trying to stay positive and, and definitely do what you could do. Uh, Dr. Uma, we always do a fact or fiction round towards the end of the podcast. Are you ready? I am. Okay, here we go. Dark chocolate is loaded with antioxidants which have been shown to improve mood and gut health. True. And research has shown it. So we're talking about extra dark natural chocolate. Our diet quality has the ability to make us feel more or less anxious. Yes, correct. Focusing solely on our low GI carbs like beans, oats and lentils will have the greatest impact on our mood. That is, that in fact is true. And the reason is that it's related to where we obtain our carbohydrates from, because that doesn't impact our blood sugar levels and insulin, um, insulin levels and fends off insulin resistance. So I would say that that is true. Fantastic. Our gut bacteria can affect our mood. Uh, that is a fact. Eating lots of protein containing tryptophan can also improve our mood. That is true. I'm interested for this one because it's everywhere online. Seed oils should be avoided if we want good mood and health. So this is a more complicated one. And uh, I will say that people don't understand which seed oils and which oils are pro-inflammatory. The big ones are processed vegetable, corn, soy, um, oils that are problematic and pro-inflammatory, the kind of inexpensive oils that are used in fast food outlets and chains because it's less expensive. So they fry and they refry their, their food products and that. So um, I would say that uh, processed seed oils and those processed vegetable oils are problematic for mental health because they drive inflammation in the gut. Absolutely. And the body. Well answered, definitely. Um, eating fermented foods like kimchi and kefir can balance the gut's bacterial environment to improve digestive health and reduce our likelihood of getting any gastro um, issues. It definitely improves your gastric health your um, level of inflammation in your gut. Um, I'm not sure that it will heal your gastric issues if you have, say, IBS or more complicated issues, but it, you are headed in the right direction by added in, adding in fermented foods. Sometimes the nuance is when you have an underlying gastrointestinal condition, fermented foods which are healthy can irritate the gut a little bit. That doesn't mean that they're bad for you. It just means that you need to work with maybe a functional gastroenterologist or functional nutritionist to help with your gut healing and then be able to eat those fermented foods. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, caffeine should be avoided because it causes anxiety. So that, in fact, is somewhere between fact and fiction. And let me explain why. Uh, caffeine is what can be problematic for some individuals with anxiety. So if you drink a cup of coffee or even a half calf or decaf and you're feeling jittery, it's not for you. Then you should go towards a calming tea, a passion flower, lavender, chamomile tea, not for you. But coffee itself is very rich in plant polyphenols um, and it's good for your liver, good for many organ systems. So coffee especially one that's not loaded with what I'd like to say are American ingredients, which are full of sugar, um, on its own is usually uh, is usually a good choice. But the, the nuance is in anxiety, you may have to stay to less than about 400 milligrams a day, which for most people is one, depending on the size of the cup, one to three cups, I have it early in the day and pay attention to what I call body intelligence. If you're feeling anxious, it's not for you and switch away from it. Yeah, I'm one of those. It's not for me, um, caffeine at all. Um, Omega-3 fatty acids found in foods like salmon, walnuts and flaxseed are associated with reduced anxiety. Yes, 
brilliant. Taking naps in the day, oh, if only. Increased cognitive aging, so should be avoided. This is interesting because I've, I've, I think there is, there's research on both sides. Um, I think that some information around sort of what people call a power nap can be very helpful to kind of re-energizing and reinvigorating yourself. But other, uh, the, the, the kind of research on cognitive aging is is emerging and, and a whole lot of information coming out there. So I'm I'm going to say the answer there is mixed. Wonderful. That was a great fact or fiction round. So informative. Thank you. Um, it does sadly, it finishes the episode and it's so sad because we scrape the surface to everyone listening on such big topics. It's a very quick whirlwind tour of the information that, um, Dr. Uma brings out in her books and obviously what she does for a living and the talk she gives. So I guess my take-home message, we always finish with a food for thought for our listeners. They we give a little take-home message each. Mine, mine today would definitely be what I've I've gathered from today. And what it's reinstilled is the emphasis on every little helps because it's so easy to get caught up in a rut, um, the same things every day, um, you know, especially for diet diversity and the attitude of the all or nothing, just one extra thing. If you've got a can of beans or pulses, let's just throw that in because even that might be beneficial from what I've, I've heard just now in helping support our brain. So it really is a case of um, not being too harsh on yourself, I think, but arming yourself with the knowledge. Um, Dr. Uma, what would be a, a good take-home message for our listeners today? A good take-home message is that you have the power at the end of your fork when it comes to calming your mind with food. And if you make even small tweaks while you're waiting to see a counselor, a therapist, or your GP, or a doctor who can prescribe you a medication if you need it, you can always have the power in your hand with your fork. Oh, I love that. Um, amazing. And where can we go to find out more about you, the books? It's very exciting. Thank you. Um, so you can go to my website, womanidomd.com, where I have a special offer, um, actually, of getting the book uh, available worldwide. Uh, we can ship anywhere in the world. The book with my uh, anxiety mini course. In other words, the book comes out December 26th in the U.S., and January 4th in the UK. So while you're waiting for your book to arrive, you have information that you can work on and uh, try out while waiting for the book. Also follow me on social media at D-R-U-M-A-N-A-I-D-O-O. -O. And if you want weekly information on different foods, sign up for my newsletter um, at umanidumd.com. And I'd love to hear from you. Amazing. Thank you for coming on Food for Thought. Thank you so much. Right, that's it. If you're enjoying Food for Thought, you will love what we have coming up in future episodes, I have no doubt. So if you're not already, you just have to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. So this means you get a little notification bell. I wish I'd known about it earlier. There is a lot of misinformation out there and I really hope that we're continuing to bring you the latest research along with our special guests to ensure that you're just getting the best experience possible. So if you are enjoying our episodes and you're learning lots, then please do leave us a review or get in touch this will help enormously and ultimately help us reach more people and make sure we're doing the right thing by you and giving you the right information so if you want to learn more about the best-selling books the clinic perhaps you need to book in to see one of our fantastic clinicians or to find out more about retrition plus you can find everything you need to know on retrition.com and you can follow of course me on retrition on all social media platforms yes i'm even on tiktok now guys so you can head over there and check it out hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.